Good evening. Wow, listen to them. Don't they love to talk and spend time together? Uh, I'm picking up the signal tonight that you guys like to interact. That's wonderful. I hope we can have an interactive sermon. Uh, Tonight's message, if you can tell, is on signals in the safe zone. And so we're going to talk about how to reach out to people in the evangelism safe zone, looking for the signals and giving the signals. So guys, if you go home and on the refrigerator you find a uh, little magnet that has uh, a pile of power tools pictured on it with a red circle and a line through it, and it says Mother's Day on top, you know that that's a signal that she does not want power tools this year. (laughs) I'm not always good at reading signals. I wasn't, well, it's still true. But Grandpa wanted me to drive, and I thought it was an honor. You know, Grandpa asked me, would you drive us to dinner tonight? I'll pay the bill. You drive us, get us there safely and back. I said, sure. So we drove there, had a great meal, got out in the car, started driving through the little town. And all of a sudden, Grandpa says, do you know what you just did? And I said, "Uh, do I get a clue? (laughs) And he said, you just blew that traffic light. I said, no way. He said, way. He said, I could do as good as that. (laughs) Okay, so I don't get the signals. And then just a few weeks ago, I had this perfect opportunity to pick up on witnessing to somebody in a great situation. They talked about how a relative had talked about the afterlife. And all of a sudden, I was going, oh, wait, wait, what can I say to that? Have you ever had that experience? You have the perfect opportunity. You're not quite sure what to say. And all of a sudden, it's gone. Life is full of signals and opportunities, and tonight we talk about the signals in the evangelism safe zone and how you and I can have this great opportunity to impact people's lives. The big idea is to simply give signals of life to people and then respond to signals that they give us with light. There are opportunities. And so this one guy, he's just so great at it. He gets on the airplane. He travels all over the United States every week. And he gets on the airplane at PIA. The plane goes up in the morning, and he looks at the sunrise. Well, of course, it has to be the right kind of weather in the Northwest. And he'll say, man, doesn't God know how to paint beautiful sunrises? And that's all he says. And sometimes the person responds and picks right up on it right there, and they have this big conversation about God and the Bible and Jesus, and he just knows how to give off signals of life, you know? This other person I know has a business, and on their product, they put a scripture verse on the bottom of the product. He told me, have all kinds of conversations as a result of it. This other person I know... They're just so vibrant. They're so excited about God. They have joy in their life. They go to work and they have joy in their life. Can you imagine that? And so one day, a co-worker asks him, how come come you're like that? What's that all about? And so because Paul is very conscientious about not taking time away from his boss, his boss is paying him for work, not not for sharing the gospel, he said to the other fellow, he said, well, sometime if you want to, we'll, we'll get together after work, go have coffee, go eat some food or something like that. And sure enough, that guy approached him later and said, hey, let's go talk. Let's go have that coffee we talked about. So Paul took him out and they talked over coffee and he shared with him where his joy factor came from. 
He didn't ask the guy to make any decision about God or anything. He just shared with him the source. Two weeks later, the guy approaches him at work and informs him that he's decided to become a Christ follower. When you give off life, when you give off signals of life, when when God's at work in your life and other people see it, feel it, and experience it coming through you to them, don't be surprised if they give you signals asking for more information. And that's when you give them light. That's when you give them information, who Jesus is, what he's done for you, how it works. And it's pretty exciting stuff. And so what signals of life are you giving off? Evangelism is a lifestyle. Evangelism is sharing the good news. You have good news to share because when you accepted Christ, he started a work in your life of transforming you and through you pouring out his goodness and his life to other people. The Bible says, the life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus said that he would live his life through you. You don't have to fake it. He will live his life through you as you just simply spend time praying to him, talking to him, reading his word, and just inviting him to work in your life. The life will show through you, and people will notice. And so communicating Christ is a lifestyle that shows up in every part of your life, and other people take notice. Now, can you imagine what that evangelism looks like? Can you imagine how you would impact people? How you would touch them, your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, your co-workers? The person at the checkout line at the store that you go to weekly? Uh, your insurance agent that you talk to maybe once every year or two or three? Have you thought about how you can impact these people's lives by focusing on your relational zone. The people that God has already put into your life. In everybody's life, you have at least, even if you're a kid, you have at least eight people in your life. Some of you have 20 people in your life. And I have a few, know a few of you that have somewhere between 50 and 100 people in your life that you have fairly regular contact with You might call them friends. You might call them associates. These are people that you influence, maybe once a month, once a year, or once a week, maybe daily. Gateway's a church of about 650 people. Do you realize that our impact on this community can easily be that we impact about 13,000 people a year? That you as a church community, representing Jesus and loving people in the community and serving them and showing them what the Christ-centered life looks like and feels like, you have an impact on that many people collectively. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of people, you know. And so this oikos, this Greek word in the New Testament, in Mark chapter 519, represents your extended network of relationships. People you know really well, people you just acquaintances with. Most of these people probably, they probably like you. You probably have credibility with those people. 
In fact, you have an open door to conversations in some areas that nobody else does. And so you have the opportunity to impact people. Jesus said to this one fella, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. When he says, go home, he's saying, go to your oikos, this extended network of people. Well, let me give you the context of this fella. This fella had some problems. He apparently had left his family. He was living in isolation. He had gone and moved into the outdoors to live. He had a trouble trouble, uh, keeping his clothing on. And he was also a guy that was kind of violent, so that he was avoided. There was a warning signal up. Can you see the flashing red light in the community? People saying, this guy is not safe. Watch out. And Jesus comes along to this guy, and Jesus ministers to this guy, and the guy gets freed up from his junk. Jesus does that for people. He gives them life, quality life. He gives them stuff that they've been longing for all their life. Things like wholeness, peace, joy. Just a life without stress. This guy had problems. Problems, problems. And this man came to trust Jesus as his leader and his savior. And Jesus freed him up from his junk. And the guy says to Jesus, paraphrase mine, Jesus, you've done so much for me. Can I travel with you? Can I go tell people what you've done for me? And Jesus says this. He says essentially, no. No, you can't travel with me. I don't want you to come travel with me. I want you to go home to your family. Go to your oikos. And your oikos is that network of people who already know you. You already know them. And because of that, if you don't have a great reputation, you can because Jesus will transform your life and that will cause people to ask, what made the difference? And if you already have a great reputation with them because you're walking with Christ and he's leading you and guiding you and your life is being transformed for good and for God and is blessing people, then they are automatically going to go, wow, what do you have? I want it. Don't be surprised if this happens. This oikos is not something you have to manufacture. It's not something you have to make happen. It's already in your life. And I'd like to introduce a, a friend who has helped Susan, my wife and I, to reach out to our oikos many times. Tracy Halstead is Child Evangelism Fellowship Director, come on, for Clark County. And give him a hand, yeah. And he's going to share with you about his ministry. He's one of our missionaries. And maybe he can even tell you how he's helped Susan and I many times. Thank you for letting me be here tonight. It's great to be with you. Um, I work with Child Evangelism Fellowship. So we work with kids, and during the summer is our busiest time. That's when we have five-day clubs. Five-day club is an opportunity for you to open up your homes and be able to invite the neighborhood kids to come in. 
This is what Pastor Ken and, and Sue have done. They've opened up their home, done lots of five-day clubs. And we have at least four of your youth going to Christian Youth in Action Camp, which is great. We have a total out of Clark County, we have, I think, 23 students going to Christian Youth in Action Camp. So I need lots of homes to be able to open up so that they can come and teach. So in order for you to open up a five-day club in your home, all you got to do is invite the neighborhood kids. We'll provide invitations for you. Provide a snack for those kids. And just kind of be there and build connections with them. Afterwards, you could have some follow-up, invite them to VBS, invite them to come to Sunday school, invite them to come to Club W. You can do some of the follow-up with them, but we want to make that first initial presentation of the gospel. We want to be able to help them hear the gospel message, and the teenagers are the ones who do that. So you get that opportunity to be able to do that. So we've had lots of people, it's interesting, lots of families. I look around here and I go, wow, there's been lots of five-day club host families here. Some have done it for years and years. Some have done it for a couple years. And we just need you to do that for us. We want to be able to spread the gospel message. I was talking with one lady who her kids went through five-day clubs, good news clubs, and then Christian Youth They Her kids got too old to do the clubs anymore, then they started teaching them. And she looked back at her attendance charts and things, and she said that during the times when her kids were from kindergarten through fifth grade, they had over 300 children come through their home. And her home became known as, as a safe place, a safe zone. You know, we use this term light. I love it because we were calling it a lighthouse. You know, it's a lighthouse right there in that neighborhood for kids to be able to come into, hear the gospel message. They know it's a safe place they can come. They get to learn about God as they go to good news clubs, especially they're learning that discipleship. They're getting discipled week after week after week. So it's a fun place to be able to come to. So we need help. We need to partner with you. CEF is a parachurch organization. That means we partner with the church. So we need the church to be able to open up homes. So if you live in a neighborhood where you have lots of kids and you see these kids, you just kind of go, man, I wonder what I could do for those kids. You can open up your home for an hour and a half for five days in a row and we'll provide the teachers and we'll come and do the teaching so you can share the gospel. You know, in my family, where we started, the kids received Christ first. And then through us kids, we were able to help my parents to receive Christ so sometimes when you reach those kids, you get to reach the whole family. There's another family that we were working with, and this family, the first day they came, the youngest one was 11 years old, and there's a 13 and 14-year-old. And we're thinking, you know, usually it's elementary school age, so a little bit older group here, and the first day they're kind of laughing at the songs, they're kind of, you know, what is this about? But when we got to the Bible lesson, they really listened. They're like, wow, this is incredible. And we knew that they were unchurched. We knew that they didn't know a lot of the terms we were using, you know, about sin and Jesus and things. And so they were like, this is interesting. So the next day they came and they were ready to go. They were singing the songs. They were ready to listen. It was really incredible. Well, Wednesday came and they had told us what they had done Tuesday. Tuesday, the verse was, I am the bread of life. And, you know, we also talk about missions in these five-day clubs. And they had gone out, baked cookies, put them in little baggies, put the verse tied around it, and went and sold these cookies from door to door to raise money for the missionaries. These are kids who aren't even saved, and yet they're raising money for the missionaries. We're going, man, these kids, they, they got to receive Jesus. So Friday's coming, and I'm not going to be there Friday because the fair, we work at the Clark County Fair as well, so I was going to the fair that day, but my oldest uh, teen, he was there at that club. He was going to lead it. He was even doing the Bible lesson that day, and he emailed me later, and he said, you know, Tracy, I was determined I was going to save these kids. And then he put in parentheses, as if I have anything to do with it. You know, but he was going to give the Bible lesson. He was going to just make sure that those kids... And so what had happened the day before is we'd given them all the Bible to take home. 
And so when he got into his Bible lesson, he got to his invitation, he said, now, would you like to receive Jesus, or have you done that before? And they said, oh, yeah, we've done that already. And he, he went, wait, what? When did you do that? And he said, well, you gave us this Bible. In that Bible, it had the salvation message right in the front cover of it. And he, the, the youngest one, the 11-year-old, read through that, and he said, well, this is what I want to do. I want to pray and believe on Jesus. So he said, Dad, can you show me how to do this? And I'm thinking, oh, boy, he called his dad. This is, where's this going to go? Well, Dad, he read it. And he went, well, you know what? We all need to do this. We should all pray. So he called the whole family in, even Grandma that was living with them, and they all prayed to receive Jesus as their Savior. Hmm. God can do incredible things as you are faithful to open up your home, to go right where your oikos is, right where your network is, if you're willing to obey. Are you willing to open up your home and invite the kids in and watch God work and do incredible things? If you, if you have any questions, we're going to be in the back. We've got a display back there. Come and see us. Thank you for letting us share. I appreciate it. And so that's it. You have an Oikos, and you can partner with someone who's skilled at it, and they can help you reach your community for Christ. Part of reaching people for Christ is just simply praying expectantly for them. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Have you ever asked yourself, why be watchful and thankful tied to devoting yourselves to prayer? Because when you ask God to work in your life, in your world, you can anticipate something is going to happen. That God is going to do something good, that you should be watchful, and even in advance, you can be thankful knowing that God is going to do something. And Paul says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm an ambassador in chains. So if the Apostle Paul requested prayer, that doors would be open for him, if it's good for him, it's got to be good for us too. Pray for the doors to open and see what God does in your oikos. Paul understood something. He understood that people are at different places with spiritual things. Some people are just wide open and they're waiting for someone to explain what this Jesus thing is all about. They've kind of heard some things about it, but they haven't quite figured out how do you receive Jesus? What does that mean? You trust him by faith. Okay, what's that mean? How do I do that? And they're just waiting for you to tell them. Other people, they're just kind of busy in life and they're not looking because they're just so busy living life, they don't have time to think about that. But maybe if you were to offer, because you're part of their oikos, they'd listen to you because you have credibility. And other people, they might not even be interested at all. Everybody's at a different place. But he simply asks you to pray. He doesn't ask you to pry. So just start praying for the people in your oikos and watch through the relationship and through the signals that people are giving you what they're trying to tell you. The level of openness or receptivity. I've known people that were totally closed and then just overnight because of circumstances, they became open and started asking questions. Continue to give life and signals to them so that they can know that you're open to talk about spiritual things. Paul goes on to say in this passage, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then he says this, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. That has to do with your oikos. 
Because there's opportunities that you maybe don't see. But when you pray, you know what it does for me? It, it, all, it tunes me in. It causes me to become sensitive and aware and recognize that within the circumstances that are happening, I can trust God is doing something and I just need to be ready and aware to know how I should respond to those opportunities. Because prayer opens doors for sharing your faith. There are signals that people give back to us. And I just went through the Bible looking for some of those signals. Let's just take a look at some of the signals you have an opportunity to respond to and what some people in the Bible did to respond to those signals. Here is the spectator signal of interest. A guy climbed a tree to see Jesus. That's a signal. That's someone who's pretty serious. I know kids will climb trees, but I don't know many men who would climb trees to see Jesus. This guy wants to see Jesus. He wasn't a tall guy, so he wanted to use a tree, and he wanted to see Jesus over the people because he was interested in finding out about Jesus. There are people who are that interested in finding out about Jesus. Do you believe that? So, Zacchaeus ran ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, I wouldn't suggest that your response would be to say to someone, I'm coming to stay at your house today because you haven't been invited. But it might be your opportunity to hang out with that person and say, hey, would you like to go out to the coffee shop and talk? Some people just throw it wide open and just say, hey, if you ever want to talk about spiritual things, hey, I'm I'm open. And just let it go at that. And see if they'll take you up on it. Because there are people who are that interested in Jesus. I still remember when I pastored in the basement of Gateway Church. That's before this building got put in, and all the staff started living upstairs there and working upstairs there. And I was clear down in the basement there for about, what was it, about 10, 11 years? And so I would open the wooden back doors on the east side of the church and go down to my office and work throughout the day. And so when someone came in through those wooden doors, I knew it. I could hear the doors open. I was just below the stairs. I could hear every footstep that went up the stairs into the kitchen. I knew what was going on. And that door opened one day, and I heard it. And I heard the footsteps coming in. And then I just put my pen down, and I listened. And nothing happened. And so I did get up and go around my desk And I looked out my door and up the stairs. And there was this guy standing up there uh, with huge legs and arms. I mean, the guy looked like a bodybuilder. And tattoos all over those arms. And I have to admit, I was a little intimidated. I mean, the tats were fine. But this was a big guy. And he was being really quiet, just standing there. And I said, hello, can I help you? And the guy said something I will never, ever forget. He said, 
I'm looking for God. Can I find him here? I said, what's your name, friend? And he came downstairs, and 20 minutes later, he left that office having a personal relationship with Jesus because he was a lot like this guy you read about in the Bible. He was that hungry. There are people who are that hungry. It's one of the signals. Someone who's spectating you have an opportunity to offer them something, the life that's in Christ. Another signal is the question signal of interest. Scripture says in 1 Peter 3.15, why don't you read this with me? It kind of puts us all together in this. This is powerful. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with That's right. That's how you do it, with gentleness and respect. Because there's times when you run into people and people have a lot of energy or they have a lot of anger or they have a lot of emotion or they have a lot of expectations that Christians maybe are less than gentle and respectful. You show them the gentleness and respect that you're called to. But notice here we're told to be ready to give a what? An answer, which means that someone's asking you a question. They will ask you questions because there are many intelligent people out there who are looking for people like you to give an answer for why you believe, why you believe what you believe. So there was this day that I was making a living. I was picking up cigarette butts. And I was on my hands and knees picking up cigarette butts. No, I, I did not have a nicotine habit. I was just making a living. And the other co-worker was off there about 10 feet picking up cigarette butts. This was a place in the world where people deposited all their cigarette butts. It's interesting what you learn about where people put things like that. And it allowed me to make a living, and it also allowed me to have an opportunity to field a question. Out of the blue, the individual asked the question, how can your God be so judgmental and critical? Wow. Kind of caught me off guard. And I was on my hands and knees, and I thought for a second, And then I realized that I'd seen what was at the top of the metal pole right beside me. And it was the speed limit sign. And at that moment, a police car turned on its lights and sirens and went right by us and went down several hundred yards and pulled the car over. And the officer got out of his vehicle and proceeded to write a ticket. And I thought, the Lord gave me an illustration, didn't he? I said, said to the person, what's at the top of the sign? What's at the top of the pole there? And they said, uh, the speed limit is a sign. I said, yeah. And that's posted so that you can know what the law is, right? Yeah. And I said, is that officer down there just? 
and write for writing a ticket if a person goes by here and violates that sign? And they said, well, okay, yeah. And I said, then why is God judgmental and critical if he's given you the word of God to read and you can understand what his will is, and if you choose to violate it, why does that make you feel uncomfortable? Why can't you accept that that's okay? And it just went quiet. And that's okay. The next week at staff meeting, that same person came around the back of the room and sat by me and asked me the next question. People want to ask you questions. If you communicate that you're open and receptive and that you're not a know-it-all, they'll probably ask you those questions and you get the freedom to say, just be honest, whether you know it or not. There's lots of books out. You can hand people books that answer those questions. But being open to answer questions is a signal of interest that people have. And then there's the research signal of interest. Here's this official who was traveling through the Middle East, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. This is a signal that people are curious. There are people right now that have all kinds of religious books that they're opening and searching for answers. People are searching for answers. That's why they're reading. And you have the opportunity to perhaps answer those questions or buy someone a Bible. Give them a Bible as a gift. That's why we give Bibles away. If you'd like a Bible tonight as you leave, the Welcome Center has a free Bible for you. Just go and ask for it. And start reading and finding out who this Jesus really is and what the message of the Bible is really about. It's about God wanting a relationship with you. And he's reached out to you and sent his son to this world so that he could provide that relationship for you. And so here he is, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And what's our response? To maybe walk up to him and ask him, what are you reading? What do you think about that? Do you know what that's really about? That that's talking about Jesus? Yeah. So the signal of interest is research. And then another is to simply be ready to respond. There are people that are this ready Paul sat in jail for a while because during that time there was intolerance uh, toward him as a preacher. So they stuck him in jail. In fact, they stuck several Christians in jail together. And it's interesting, you can read what they did. What did they do while they were in jail? What was that? They, they prayed and they sang in jail. Just imagine that. If you're the jailer and you're hearing these Christians in there and they're praying... And they're singing, and they're making the most of their time there. And then an earthquake comes along, and the jail is destroyed enough that the prisoners are escaping out these holes in the wall, and they're escaping, and as a Roman guard and soldier and a man in charge of this unit, you are responsible for every one of those prisoners. And you know very well that your life is on the line if you lose any of these guys. And so this guy has a reason to be stressed out. The jailer called for lights. 
he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and he went and brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You can tell from the emotion and the action of this man that he had stress going on. Do you realize the amount of stress that's going on in American culture right now? Statistics show that 77% of Americans are experiencing stress in their lives that manifests in a physical way. Did you know that 48% of Americans said that over the last year and the last five years, their level of stress has increased? That's one in two Americans. Did you know that that stress is showing up in terms of agitation, anger, impatience, sleeplessness? Stress. Do you know that, well, you know that money is one of the big causes of stress. You know that relationships is one of the big causes of stress. Do you know what the number one cause of stress for Americans is today? Work-related stress. In fact, you probably experience it. This gentleman had work-related stress. And what's he thinking? He has to be thinking... These guys should be out of here, but they're not. These guys pray all the time. They sing to their God. They don't escape. He wants what they've got. And you may very well have that experience sometime in your life for someone who's ready to respond because they see that you have peace, not stress. Or if you have stress, maybe you're learning how to deal with it. Did you know that the big, one of the biggest concerns among youth in ninth to 12th grade is this whole issue of stress? That the counselors are extremely concerned that our youth learn how to process and manage stress in a healthy way. Youth, can I recommend Jesus Christ to you? He's helped me for 44 years. And I can't tell you, but this simple fact is that I've had more joy in 44 years than I can even explain. I have stress at times, but he helps me to deal with it in a wholesome, healthy way. I recommend Jesus Christ to you. He's helped me with stress. And I'm sure he's going to help you too. Then there's the concession signal of openness. Paul goes into one of the big cities... And he sees all these objects of worship right out there in the culture. Of course, Greco-Roman culture, you know, polytheism and all these statues, all these idols, polytheists. And so as he's walking around, he looks carefully at their objects of worship. And he says, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. See, they just wanted to cover their bases after they had named all the gods after their desires and their emotions and their human traits, they figured, well, we better just 
make one to an unknown God just in case we've missed something. And so this is the concession sign of opportunity for you because there are people today who make concessions in their belief systems. And so agnostics, you can't know the truth. You can't find it. Then there's the cynics. Huh, I just don't believe anybody. I, I just don't know. There are people who don't know, but if you knew, you might have an opportunity. That's what Paul did. So he begins to share with them about this unknown God. He starts proclaiming that that God is known and that you can know him personally. And so you see where they don't have confidence, you do. And when you have that confidence to share with somebody, I think they're going to go away and they're going to think about it. Do you have that confidence? And then there's the testimonial sign of interest. So Jesus approaches this lady from a different culture. Notice different. And different makes us feel uncomfortable a lot of times because it's not like us. And so this lady's a Samaritan and Jesus is Jewish and the Samaritans are half-breeds as referred to in a negative way. But Jesus doesn't let that keep him from going up to the well where she's drawing water. And so he breaks a cultural taboo. He associates with a gal from a different background who's viewed differently. Jews would actually go from Jerusalem and they would go east and west and travel the roads around the Samaritans. It was that bad. Jesus doesn't avoid. Jesus engages people. He wants them to have a relationship with him. And he wants you to engage people so that you can tell them about the relationship you have with him so that they can have it too. He tells this lady, after drawing water, that he can give her life. And that blows her mind. Like, who are you? Are you greater than our prophets and our great people of the past? And he begins to tell her all about her life, things that no one else knows, but he knows it. And she starts to realize, only a prophet or God would know this. And so she goes and says to her friends back in her community, come See, a man who told me everything I ever did. And she says, could this be the Savior of the world? Jesus already knows about your life. He knows everything about it. And he wants a relationship with you. Don't be surprised if some of the signals you get back are a little tense. A little bit of emotion, a little bit of attitude. The defensive signal of caution. That man that we spoke of earlier that had a bunch of problems, Jesus helped him. But when he was about to make his decision, he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. And so, you know, people want to make deals with God, don't they? And so here the spirit in this man pushes him to say these things. What do you want with me? He's asking him the question, what's the deal? 
and then make a deal with me. Swear that you won't torture me. And he's not going to do that, but the guy's trying to make a deal. And so you may experience these emotions from people, whether it would be fear or anger or whatever negative emotion you might sense. Don't react. Because people are coming from their worldview, they're coming from their experience, and they're not familiar with you. And we're trying to, like the Samaritan woman and like with this fella, we're trying to reach into their lives and to show them the love of Jesus so that builds the credibility that we can tell them the message of Jesus. Sometimes it just happens in the split second of an opportunity. It was a few years back when one of my boys was pretty small and I was painting the outside of the house. And I was right at the corner and I remember I remember rolling that paint up there and all of a sudden hearing the commotion underneath me and seeing my son's leg up to his knee in the paint bucket. <laughs> and I just I just held the held the this and just put my hand on his shoulder and I I didn't know what to say in that moment so I just came up with don't move don't move and I said oh I'm in deep trouble here and so I leaned the paint uh, roller up against the house and lifted my son out of the paint bucket and thought, I guess this is what hoses were made for. (laughs) And I hosed him down. (laughs) And you know, things were good for me that day. I told my wife this story and She found it somewhat amusing, except for the new color of his tennis shoes. (laughs) But what was really interesting, many months later, is when the neighbor across the street finally told me that she was in her backyard when she heard me say what I said. And she said, I looked over the fence... And she said, that's the day that I knew you were normal. (laughs) And I've thought about it since, and I've thought of all the times I've wanted to be normal. And I said, (laughs) praise God. And it opened a door for conversation. Because it's an opportunity to reach your world for Christ in virtually everything you do. Because you give off signals and people respond back with signals. And you have an opportunity to impact your world for Christ. Would you stand with me? How many of you want to impact your world for Christ? Yeah.
That's what I love about this church. Yeah. And how many of you want to have that relationship with Christ? How many of you? Yes. (laughs) There you go. How many of you would like to have that relationship for the first time in your life? How many of you would like that? Yeah. So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for everybody that's here tonight. And I pray that since we all have an oikos, that we would really love those people and really bless them so much so that they would see you in us so that they would want you in their lives. And I think we all agree. And if anyone here tonight wants you, I pray they'd just pray this prayer, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come into my life right now and begin to lead me. Amen. Have a great week. Reach your world for Christ.